It's so good to uh, just be here with you all. We're going to dive into week three of our Heart for the House sermon series. Uh, We've talked about, through our vision, changing lives. Talked about developing leaders. We believe that God just simply does miracles and the miraculous. That He's the one that changes lives. We just mentioned divorce care. We can get together and talk about any topic, but if God doesn't heal and restore, it's just talking. It's just self-help. It's just things that are fine. But we believe God, through his word, what he said, he makes new. He restores. He works in your life and changing lives. That's what we are here to see God do through Radiant Life Church. Developing leaders. We believe that God doesn't just want you to come on a Sunday morning. He doesn't want you to just be a part of a church, but he wants you to look more like him, act more like him, talk more like him daily, weekly, monthly. And three years from now, we pray we look a little different. In fact, a lot different than we do today because I want to look more like Jesus. And discipleship is that process. Groups is how we do discipleship here at Radiant Life Church, our our number one mechanism. And we would invite you, all the leadership of groups for this next season is getting prepared. And here in a couple weeks, you're going to be able to sign up to be a part of groups for our spring season that is going to be starting the week after uh, the Super Bowl. With that, join us for a tailgate party on Super Bowl Sunday night that we're going to be have all of our groups there represented. And you can sign up. Maybe you've never been a part of one here. You can meet some different people. And we will help you figure out where would be the best spot to plug in. And so join us for a tailgate party on the 12th of February. Then groups will start after that. Right? So changing lives, developing leaders. And today, sharing the love of Jesus everywhere. We believe we do this by reaching both our neighbors that means we all have the, the plan, the goal. We should be looking to reach the people right around you, the people you know, the people that, that just need Jesus, that you know the best. We should be sharing Jesus with our neighbors and the nations of the world. In fact, here over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about finances. And I, I believe that God has given a word. And, and uh, next week, we're going to have some illustrations and some things up here on the stage And maybe you say, man, my finances are a little bit rough. This will be a great reminder. This will be some just help say, maybe I need to make some adjustments in what I do. I need to have some discipline in my life, in my savings, in my giving, in every part. Lord, would you guide that? And we're going to talk about that. In two weeks, we're going to talk about our mission faith promises. I mentioned those 75 missionaries we support. We support with $175 a month, which it adds up, right? We want to give hundreds of thousands of dollars. In fact, My prayer and our dream is that by 2030, you, Radiant Life Church, will be giving a million dollars a year away. That's not for us, not for Dublin, but for the surrounding communities and to the ends of the earth. And that happens as we tithe, as we give, as we go above in missions. We're going to be talking about those here in the next coming weeks. And we're, we're pumped about that, sharing the love of Jesus around the world. And even with that, and then we'll get really into the word, We have, uh, on the 5th of February, I want to be sure, you should mark this down. It's going to be a day you want to be here at Radiant Life Church because we're going to have a guest with us and we're going to be announcing a big part of our missions for the next two years. What we're going to be able to do to be able to bless a church, a local church, in a way that is, uh, I'm I'm so excited. I've been wanting to do something this for a long time. We're going to be announcing what it is, and I'm not going to give anything else away until February 5th, but they will be here. We're going to share what God is going to do through you 
as we go around the world, starting right in communities around us. So don't miss February 5th. It's going to be a powerful, powerful day. We're, right, we're reaching all over the world. We want to multiply who we are. We want to give and go in missions. We want to let our lives be outreach. We talk about life groups, our inreach and our outreach. We do outreach through groups. We do outreach on Sundays, Easter egg hunts and various other community events. How, how and why? Because we want to see people come to know Jesus. But the main thing that I want to talk about this morning is this thought of sharing the love of Jesus. Why do we do it? What we just read a few moments ago makes it very clear. In fact, I'm going to read the first three verses again of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. When I think about the sharing of the love of Jesus, that right there is why we share the love of Jesus. And in fact, before we even should be sharing anything, we have to get to the understanding. Church, did you know that we are utterly hopeless and helpless without Jesus? We don't have any good way that we can figure this out and we can work our way to heaven. We don't have any good way that if we do enough things or we do enough works or we do enough right stuff that all of a sudden God all of a sudden will welcome us in. Church, there is nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do to, on our own, take us from a hopeless and helpless people. It's vital. And when we think of the world and we think of missions, why do we have a passion for the world? Because they are utterly hopeless and helpless. And if you say, well, how can you know? I mean, I think you can just turn on the TV at any given moment and you can see that we are hopeless and we are helpless. You can turn on the news and say, what is wrong with our world? What is wrong with our society? What is wrong with people? And people start sometimes, anybody with us? Have you ever been in that spot where you're like, what is wrong with me? What? I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. Uh, now it's been a long time ago, but when I was at Bible college, so this is almost 20 years ago somehow, um, I was doing, you know, God's work at Central Bible College, and we had a dodgeball team that we were like, we're going to enter into the YMCA, and we're going to play in this dodgeball league. It was super competitive, like way more competitive than it should have been. Uh, and just so if you didn't know, I am a justice person. Like, I don't like being cheated. Anybody, you just a justice per you hate just being cheated. I mean, no one likes it, but you like, it like, ugh, just wells up within you. I hate it when someone says, you, whatever. I'm like, no, I did not. In fact, I'm working on it constantly today. Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. But we were doing this, playing this. My wife, uh, who was not my wife at the time, she was my, I, maybe girlfriend, probably. That was probably first semester probably girlfriend, not even fiance yet. She's there. She's cheering all of the CBC guys. And then there was a bunch of people in the, fan, uh, in the stands. Like CBC was pretty boring at the time. We had a good crowd at a YMCA dodgeball game. Like it was pretty great. But we're playing and the referee, mm, anybody, the referee just wasn't paying attention, didn't care at all. They got paid the, like some kid, probably like 16 years old, uh, but that's okay. 
they did not call people out. They did not do their job, which still, that just hurts me a tad, but I think God has helped me grow. But at the time, that was not going to fly. And I have never been one. I, I don't know that I've ever cussed in my life. If so, it was a tongue tie. I've never cussed at anybody. And I didn't cuss at this kid then, but I used all the nicest words I could use to just berate this kid for his lack of enthusiasm at being a ref. Like, you know, eyes, like different things he could have used and letting him know how he could use those things to see the game. And, you know, if you're, yeah, you know, all those things. I don't need to go into detail. It's possible that with my Central Bible College t-shirt on, we made him special for dodgeball, that I definitely got kicked out of the YMCA. That was not my finest hour. Um, uh, it was really embarrassing, truly. It's one of those you get done, you're like, there's no way to explain that one away. That's just, that's all me. That's no good. Then my fiance, now my wife, she's, or my girlfriend, I mean, she's there. And it's like, is she going to get up and like go with me? Or am I just going to let him leave? And I'm just going to stay here. Like, I do not know that guy. No way do I know that guy. So she was gracious, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. But she got up and went with me. So then it's like, I guess we're going to get kicked out together. This is fun. And you realize the stupidest things in our life, we can get tripped up on any and every day. We can feel good. We can be like, God's moving. This is so much fun. And then somehow we fall, we stumble, we get kicked out of a YMCA game. There was no prize. There was nothing you win. There was no reason that any reason, I mean, it wouldn't be a good reason anyways, but no reason, no reason. And somehow the hopelessness, the helplessness of us in our own came through loud and clear and I was a follower of Jesus. I was training to become a pastor. I was training to come back here. We're hopeless. And you know, there's things way worse than get, getting kicked out, way worse than getting kicked out of a dodgeball game. Maybe in our lives, we've done stuff to hurt people, to, to offend people, to push people away. We've, we've done stuff. In fact, probably, we don't have to, you don't need to, to do this, but we could all think back and we could pick some things and we could one by one come and say, oh, this was not my best hour, because we're hopeless. We're helpless. It's been made clear in the word of God that we have our flesh, the, the, the passions of our flesh, the desires of our body and mind, this nature where we're children of wrath. And we have to understand before we can really worship, before we can really step into his grace, that that's who we are. And today, if you're here and you say, well, if I just do a few more good things, then God might be willing, you cannot, because we are simply hopeless and helpless. That's all, that's it. Without God, we are simply hopeless and helpless. So you can't work to get to a certain point so you can move forward. But you know, just when everything seems to be lost, when everything is the worst, when we have this nature of sin, children of wrath, just like everyone else, verse 4 starts off. And before we say those words again, one quick thing. In the original language, verses 1 through 10, uh, just real quick study, verses like the numbers, those were not in the original. This is to help us be able to read and to study so we have a book and we could say, okay, go to chapter and verse. Those things were not there. It was just a letter that was written like straight through. But these specific 10 verses, they weren't even multiple sentences. In the original language, this was one 
long sentence. Uh, some portions of this, the sentences are long. Like they're, they're more than a verse, they're long. But it would actually be all 10. And why do I say that? Verse 1 through 3 are not their own separate thing. It's not something that could be removed because it literally was written straight through. And we go from the children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind, to verse 4 and those first two words where it says, but God. We are lost in sin. We are rebellious. We're trespassers. We're, we're rebellious. We are helpless. We need God. In fact, that sin would mean failure. We are rebellious failures in our life. But verse 4 says, but God. And no matter what you think you've done or where you've been or what you feel about yourself today, it is vital that you realize that you are a helpless failure. That's who you are, except that in verse 4, God shows up and says, but God, right, rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. It's not who you are. It's not what you've done. It's not because you've read your Bible enough times or you didn't do that one sin for a week now, so now he'll talk to you. None of that stuff has anything to do with God and his grace. It's simply that he died on a cross. Jesus came. God sent him to die. But he didn't only die. He lived the sinless life just like you and I are stuck in our sin and our trespasses and our rebellion and our failure. Jesus did not do those things. He did not sin. He did not fail. He did not fall. And in fact, we know that Jesus, like us, talked to God and struggled through. Why? Because in the garden, he said, Lord, please take this cup from me. He's saying, Lord, I don't want this. I don't want to die. I don't want to die on a cross. If you've ever seen that movie, The Passion, nobody wants to die on a cross. Jesus was in that state in humanity and said, Lord, if there's any other way. But he got to the other side, not my will, but your will. And when we realize, God, you are everything. You are my all in all. You are everything. So, but God makes us alive in Christ. And all of a sudden I can realize I don't have to stay where I am and be who I was. I no longer have to be helpless. I no longer have to be hopeless. I no longer have to be a failure. I no longer have to be a, re a rebel in my life. But now I am called because God and his mercy has called me in. In fact, we see there in verse 5, we are made alive in Christ. This word and what that would mean, God gave us regeneration. He regenerated us. He made us new, a new spiritual life. Whatever the old was, we no longer are, and now we are walking in Him. New spiritual life is within you. Failure no more. Now we're regenerated in him. We're new in our spirit. We're whole in our spirit. And verse 8 says, by grace alone. We can say we are made alive in Christ by grace alone, not because of what you've done. But it doesn't stop there. And verse 6 goes on and it gets better. It says we are raised up with Christ. We are raised up in him because of his resurrection Verse 8, it is secured for the believer. It's secured for you if you've given your life to him. You are not where you were. You're alive in him. You're raised up in him because of what he has done for you. This is the best news we can possibly find because it's not you. It's not me because we're failures, but we are now alive 
we're raised up. And it doesn't even stop there because the end of verse 6 says we are seated with him. Hold on a second. When we were dead in our trespasses, he sent Jesus, he's called us, he's made us alive, he's regenerated us, he's raised us up, and now he seats us with him? You know what that means? That means that we have authority that is from heaven. That means today that you do not walk in your old man, you don't walk in your fleshly nature, you don't walk in verse 1 through 3 anymore, but now you are alive. You are raised up. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You have the authority that only he can give. There's nothing better. There's no way we could say, Woo, let's, let's top that one. No, he's already put us there. We have authority. A couple weeks ago in our 21 days of prayer and fasting guide, we were praying through the Lord's Prayer. And it says, on earth as it is in heaven. And that's not just some cool words, but that's for you. Maybe in your body, in your, in your situation. That's for us in our walk with him. Today, church, on earth, in you, today, we get to walk as it is in heaven. It says we've been seated with him. We have authority to take captive. We have authority to not be who we once were any longer. We have authority to move in the power of God. It doesn't get any better than this. And once again, not because of what you've done. Not because of your doing. Not because of your striving. Not because you are great. In fact, the opposite when we are dead, when we are failures, when we are rebellious, he died for us. He called us. We receive him. He brings us to a place where we've been raised up. We're alive and we're seated with him. Church, he is good. We have all hope in Christ alone. As I've been thinking and praying, my, my passion is that the church would not just live with who we were and act like we once did and just that's just how we are, but instead that we look different and act different and move different. In fact, Troy's back for round two, sitting here on the front row. So I'm going to use him again. Troy's been with us, I said two or so. He's like, three years. I'm like, yes, come on. Three years he's been at Radiant Life Church. If you know Troy, he has grown and learned and we sit together at prayer about once a week. And it is so much fun to watch. And he starts talking and starts praying and starts living different and acting different and stuff. You're like, oh, I learned some stuff this week. And I was like, come on, God's awesome. Why? Because he is seated in heavenly places and he has authority in his own life like one time he didn't. But now he says, hey, God spoke. I feel I should do this. So what's he do? I have authority. I'm going to do it. And in your life, are you trying to fix your life through self-help books or through counseling or through uh, anything that you put on yourself? Or are you going to God and letting God be your healing and your wholeness and your, your, uh, the sacrifice you already gave? Are you going after him because he changes you? He transforms you. No self-help book, no counseling session, none of that stuff is going to do what God does in your life. And all of those things, doctors, praise God, counselors, praise God. We need people. We need life groups. We need people around us. But if we do not let what God did, and then we do not walk in the authority he's given us, then we're just going to talk around the same stuff we've always talked around. The perspective we've seen and we've known, instead of saying, no, God, you've given me authority. You're seated with you. And right now I'm going to, I'm not going to take captive somebody else's mouth, but Lord, 
would you take captive my mouth? Lord, would you take captive my anger? Would you take captive my frustrations? Lord, would you take captive what I look at, sin in my life? Lord, would you get rid of that? I don't want that in me anymore. Lord, would you take pornography or addiction, stuff people doesn't even know about. I don't need that anymore. But Lord, I'm not going to try to do it on my own understanding. But Lord, I need the authority you've given me. You've already given me your grace. I'm already walking and working in that regeneration process. You've already done it. So Lord, I take authority right now in the name of Jesus over my mind, over my heart, over my mouth. I give it to you. And now I look and act different, not because I'm some superhero that can just make it happen. Maybe with working out, you just have to make yourself go. But with God, we, we have to stop it. No, Lord, you are all things. You've made me alive. I'm seated with you. And now, God, I'm going to be successful, not because of me being great, but because I have authority in the heavenly places to do what you've called me to do and to be who you've called me to be. So you asked me to change. I'm just going to change. And Lord, I cannot do it. I've tried before. In fact, something that from a young age, I just hated it when people would say, is that's just the way that I am. Or that's just the way my family is. And I want you to know that there's nowhere in the Bible that we can pull out and say, yep, that's very biblical, very biblical of you. You're just stuck there. That sin's just going to have you forever. Nothing you can do about it. But we say these things over ourselves. I'm just an angry person. I'm just a, a what? No, you are seated in heavenly places. You've been raised up. You are alive in Christ, which means there's no, that's just the way I am, unless that's who God has called you to be. Then I'll, I'll stay there. That's who God's called me to be. I'm just that way. Come on. But if it's any other excuse to live a life of those first three verses, no more. No more. And not because you are just the strongest and the best. No, in fact, take it all off. God, I'm seated in heavenly places by your authority today in the name of Jesus. My feet are going to walk different than they did yesterday. My heart's going to look different. And you know what? Maybe we come and like, oh, I didn't hit it 100% today. Well, you know what, Lord, I'm seated in heavenly places. Today, I have authority, and I'm going to do better tomorrow than I did today. I'm going to look more like you. Help me. And then I mentioned counseling and other elements. Lord, I need some accountability partners. I need someone to help me. I need someone to lift my arms. I need someone to help me get my mind working. Well, then God, in his grace and mercy, he puts a whole church around us. There's people, you can look to your left and your right and front and back. Maybe one of those people could help you navigate some of those things, but they're not gonna heal you. They're not gonna restore you. They're not gonna raise you up. They're not gonna see you in heavenly places. Only God will do those things. And as we walk in the authority that he pours into you, as we get people around, hey, I've been struggling this. Would you help me take that spiritual, that heavenly authority that I've already been given, would you help me? Would you keep me accountable? Then we're going to be able to, to take the step we should take and, and, and have someone say, hey, I don't think that's what you are talking about. Oh, you're right. Lord, I'm going to walk in authority. Let's pray. We're going to do it again. We're going to believe. And the whole time, I don't walk in condemnation. The whole time, I don't walk in those first three verses. The whole time, I'm not being beat down. I'm not letting the devil say, hi, I got you again. No, 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 no. I am alive. I am raised up. I am seated in heavenly places. And as I'm looking more like him, he's given me grace. He's given me mercy. 
which means I no longer have to worry about what I'm not and what I mess up in, but instead I'm worried about Jesus and because I'm focusing on him and I'm calling out the good things in my life and I'm saying no more, no more of that. I'm going to look more like him and act more like him and talk more like him. And if as a church next year we come back about this time and everyone's doing the same thing, acting the same way, we're in the same spot, that's a bad year, church. That is a bad year. But instead, if we could say, come on, I didn't even know this wasn't the best in my life, but God spoke to me and I took authority and I don't do that. That's not a part. That way of thinking is no longer. That negativity I've gotten rid of because God moved. Because I have authority in heavenly places. And that negativity isn't God. He's not speaking that in your life. Just to be sure, God's not speaking anything of that negative, of you're not good enough. Of, that's not God. Take authority because he's given you in heavenly places. You're seated with Christ. You're alive in Christ. Church, that's who we are. I better move on. I could talk all day long. So this is awesome. The last two verses as we continue along, I think sometimes we, we skip or we miss or we don't get. Because we just talked. It's not by works, right? You don't get saved by works. Faith in Christ alone. That's, that's how we come into relationship. And then it's that battle, was it by works or is it, no, no, there's no battle. That's how we're saved, 100%. But we can't miss verse 9 and 10, which complete a Christian's life. It says, right, it's the gift of God. Not, verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Your salvation is not you, it's all God. But verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Now, Workmanship, you could think of a well-written poem. It's something God has crafted, he's put together. It's a, a work of art, what they would have read when they read this. You are his craftsmanship. You are a work of art that he put together. You're a well-written poem that, that just brings out the best. That, that's who you are in God. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's no saving because of good works, but when we come to know him, good works, we're created. We are his workmanship. We are his craftsmanship. And it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created for good works, not because of how great we are that gets anything to happen. No, but because of God and because we're seated with him, because we have authority in him, that he calls us to good works. He calls us to what he's created us for. He calls us, in fact, to what God prepared beforehand. Is it possible that sometimes the believer can come to church and experience God and it's so great and we might even have good moments or maybe we don't have those feelings like we would like to? Is it possible we miss out on what God wants because we miss verse 9 and 10 here? And we've not asked him, Lord, would you show me what I'm to do? Would you show me what I'm supposed to be? Would you show me what is going to help me fulfill the call that you put in my life? What you've prepared beforehand? What is it that I am called to do and to be? What am I called to become? What am I called to walk in? And we start to lose what God has. We start to, to feel like we're lost or we don't have purpose. We start to feel like I'm not sure. We get sidetracked because instead of walking in his grace and his mercy and taking authority as we're seated in heavenly places, instead of getting our works, show the world around us, come on, God is what I am all about. I love him. I care for him. 
There's nothing else. Let's go with God. I just kind of go through life and I come have a good time at an altar every once in a while. And I might come to a prayer time and that's good. But I don't do anything for him. I'm not doing what he's called me to do. I was, just as I'm sitting here, I love, Kathy's sitting right over here. I love preaching to Kathy because she's expressive right now. She's like leaned forward. You, everyone should take a lesson from her. Every once in a while, she's like, can't hold it in. And she's like, throws her hands up in the air, or gives a little, woo, come on. Like, I love it. But I love being here. She, uh, once a week-ish, she comes and she does Bible stories for the kids at the daycare. Just comes and does it. It is awesome. I come in and she has props, I think, every single time. She has kids singing and dancing. Sometimes uh, kids that aren't church, I'm like, I don't think they know what's happening. And she just is having a great time. She's like, I know that in this season, there's more. But she leads these kids. She tells them about Jesus. She talks about him. She paints or does chalk design on a board down in the other end. That always is like the gap and the cross covers it. And you can get from one side to the other, from your sin to salvation. And it's there. She uses her gifts. And I'm like, that's somebody. That she's not like, uh, I'm not 40 anymore. I'm just going to, no, they go on missions trips. They use their gifts and their talents. And I have a feeling when she's at home, she's like, come on, a little bit more, a little bit. What, what is it? What is it that we can do? What's next? We don't have a problem with what we're called to do and who we're called to be and our self-worth and value when we're working for God as he's called us to work. We don't have problems because I'm not, oh, I don't know. Man. No, she's like, I have a few hours, so let's see if we can go tell somebody about Jesus. Let's go talk to these kids. And there's a whole bunch of teachers that we're praying that one day they're going to be with us. They're going to know Jesus, but they don't know yet. And those teachers, we get to pay them to sit and to listen to Kathy and sit and be in chapel and sit and experience Jesus. Actually, we pay them to teach Bible stories to kids because we believe one day they're all going to come into relationship with Jesus. And they're going to be able to turn what they do and they're not all that fulfilled into who they are and the works that God has called them to. Church, there's something about realizing I'm seated in heavenly places. I am no longer that dead in trespasses. And in fact, now everything I do gets to show my God and my world how much he matters to me. Works don't save you, but works should be a natural part of a Christian's life of I'm going to serve and I'm going to give and I'm going to pour out. And in fact, I'm not Jesus, so I feel confident. I hope I never have to die on a cross. And if so, it's not saving anybody. So please, Lord, I don't want to die on a cross. But whatever you call me to do, Lord, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be available. And if someone in this room someday is called to be a martyr for the sake of the gospel, the Bible says that's about as big of a, a reward that you could possibly get. Church, what is it that God's calling us to? Let's let him be everything in our life. You're seated in heavenly places. And now we're called to work for him, to do for him. Not for our salvation, but just to show the overflow of him moving through us, through our life. You are created. You're his workmanship. You're created to walk in him. When we think about our vision of who we are, sharing the love of Jesus, the reason we value, the reason we say a million dollars we're praying in the next eight, seven years now, we get up to a million dollars a year is because there's so many people around the world that need to know that they're dead in their sin but that they can be made alive in Christ, seated in heavenly places. And their life can mean something. And it starts right here. It starts with us. 
and I'm pumped about what God is doing. We say as core values that the church is both global and local. We give, we go. We're, we're believing, we're working on details uh, for Africa missions trip this year. We're, we're praying it's going to come together. If not, we're, as soon as we can, we're going to be overseas. We want to every year start having missions trips because it matters and it moves our hearts. It changes us. The church is global and local and everyone can reach someone. And there's nobody in this room that God hasn't called you to reach out to a friend, to a neighbor, that he hasn't called you to pray, to intercede for somebody around you. I don't care if we pray for the same person for 30 years. Keep praying, keep believing, keep giving God the opportunity. Lord, you speak, I'll say whatever it is that you want me to say. I'll do whatever it is. I'm not gonna get ahead of you, but anything, God, please. We're gonna believe that they're gonna come. Everyone can win someone. And our prayer, my prayer as a church is if every if every even three years, every person in this room led one person to Jesus, and then they did that, and then they did that, and they did that, the church, global, God's kingdom would just expand. If his church, even every three years, would lead one person to the Lord. And my prayer is that every person that makes this their home, at least one person every three years, they get to watch them come into the kingdom. They get to watch them go from dead to alive. They get to watch them from, from failures to seated in heavenly places with Jesus. From not a purpose that honors God to a purpose that brings people to him. We want to share the love of Jesus. The last few weeks we've been talking about life groups. Sign-ups are going to be soon. The next two weeks we're going to be talking about, about giving and about our money and just health in our own home and credit cards and all these different elements. I, I pray that you'll be blessed. But today, specifically the card that you came in with. In fact, our ushers, they're going to stand and come to the front right now. And uh, if you have a did not get one of these cards when you came in, if you would simply reach out, just raise your hand up to them right now. I see some hands over there, some hands over there, uh, halfway back, perfect, all over. Also up here in the front, Troy. Uh, then you, we want you to have one of these cards, and we're going to talk here in a moment, or for a moment, about this. We believe that serving, when we talk about works, I want to make real clear, is not only our works that we do out there. Uh, and it's not only the works we do in here. It's both of those things. We must be serving God with our life and our purpose outside of the walls of Radiant Life Church. We must, we must. We also believe that serving in the house is vital because we cannot do what we do without letting the goodness of God pull us together, train us, and let us look more like Him. So we believe that when we serve, hey Brian, there's some people right up here if you don't mind catching them, that'd be awesome. Uh, that when we serve, we are training, we're growing, and we'll look more like him because he's everything. He's everything in our life, and we're going to grow together here so that we can go and be all he's called us to be at Chase Bank or wherever you work and whatever you do and whatever field it is, God's going to use you and mold you and make you, and that's what it's all about. And so our prayer is that when we think of teams and team life and sharing the love of Jesus starting here at this location, that it's a, a launching off point to reach the rest of the world. The card that you have has some really simple options. Your name, your email, your phone. Then ready to serve for the first time. Exactly what it sounds like. If you say, I've never served at Radiant Life Church, but I want to start. Then that would be your checkbox. Maybe you say, I'm ready to start serving again. Maybe you've served in the past 
and for whatever reason, you just haven't been serving in the last six months or year or a few, maybe COVID, it's just been a few years now. You say, I'm ready. I need to become a part of that serving team once again. Maybe you say, I'm ready for more. Maybe you're already serving. You're already a part, but you say, I just feel there's more. We would love to talk with you, hang out with you, see what that looks like. Maybe there's some leadership step up. Maybe there's a, a different spot. Or maybe you say, I'm serving once a month, but I think I could serve twice a month. Include on that front, we have two services. If you notice, we could do one service. We have all the seats that we would need for one service. But we believe that two is what God has called us to. And a part of that is what we call attend one, serve one. It means that there's people in this room that were in kids' church in the first service, and now they get to sit and be a part of the service. That every area of ministry either hears or serves and comes in, everyone gets to be a part. And you might say, I'm ready for more, maybe a second week or a third week. Hey, check that. We want to contact you with you, get with you, and see what that looks like. Maybe you're just like, I, I need to, I, I would love to do a different area or something new. This would be a great opportunity for that. The uh, fourth one, ready but need some info. Have you ever been like, I want to do it? You're just, the it part is what you're not sure about yet. This would be for you, that you could sign up. We will contact you, maybe get coffee with you, at least a phone call, maybe a lunch, and just sit and talk, hear where you're at, and see what maybe would fit in your life. Because our goal is not, well, we need these six things. So the first six people to sign up, they're going to be in the nursery. We're not going to do that. That's not how it works. But we want to say, what, what is God calling you to? And we want to put you in that spot, put you in that role, and get you serving where you can feel that you're doing what God has called you to here, that then is also going to help propel you outside of the walls. On the bottom third of that card, uh, it says, I'd like to serve in. You can circle worship and media. Media includes uh, cameras, sound, lights, tech, uh, what goes on the screen, our Facebook Live, things you don't sit in the room see, but when you're at home, the sound for that. There's tons of areas. Uh, this morning, Alex was running around with a roaming camera. There's various things in that. And with that, I want to be sure this morning, we have Alice out on a camera back there. Uh, my daughter Avery was in coffee shop. Uh, Jeremy it was down there uh, serving in kids ministry this morning, setting up. This is not only like 18 and over or 16 and over. No, if you have a child that's mature enough to greet and would maybe greet with you, bring them with you. Let it be a part that you and your child or, or someone that they can get into a role, whatever that age is, as long as they can do that and be uh, mature enough to be a part. We would love for them to jump in. So worship and media. First impressions, another great area. That would be ushers who just passed out the cards, our cafe, our front end, when you walk in, people smiling. So if you say, first impressions, what do I need to do? Can you smile for like two hours straight? You know, if you can do that, then it's all good when they come in. And uh, if you can't smile, then let's not put you at greeter, because this just doesn't work at the front door. Hello, right? So don't do that. We'll put you somewhere else, right? We'll get you in the right spot, or we'll teach you. And we'll put a little toothpick and be like, you have to just hold it open. There you go, right? First impressions, we'd love to have you be a part. Kids, we always need people that say, you know what? I'd love for some reason just to pray over babies. And you can pray over babies one hour a couple times a month. That's sitting in a nursery, taken care of, maybe toddlers. Some people in the room, you'd be like, I would never work in that age group. You should never work in that age group. I agree with you just based on that. Right? There's another area for you. Maybe the older kids. You can do sound. You can do things in there. You can be a part of lessons. You can be a part of blessing Pastor Mike and the team and, and do service elements. Whatever it is, 
what has God called you to? Let's make it happen. And when we all do it together as a family, then no one's carrying all the load. Say it at our house, our kids, they all have chores. There's dishes and floors and all this stuff. And uh, Avery, you all love it, right? She says, no, no, she doesn't love it. But they're being trained and learning. And you know what happens when we all have chores and we all have things that we're responsible for? Rachel doesn't only clean and cook and do dishes her whole entire life. Any moms in the room? You're like, yeah, I, I feel that. We all get to take part in our home. Our youngest, he's been bringing in wood for the fireplace. It seems, unless he just drops it on our hardwood floor, it's pretty safe. Like, he doesn't like the cold, but, you know, he can kind of do that. Uh, that's great. Uh, we all get to be a part. And when we all get to be a part, we all get to be successful. Our house looks good. We all do what it is. And so I'm inviting, in fact, I would say I'm begging, I'm asking, would you, if this is your home, jump in and become a part? Say hi to people a couple times a month. Jump into media. We could really use some, if you have a skill in, in music, we'd love to get you into tryouts. We could use some more. If you play electric guitar, we could really use a couple killer electric guitars. You know, whatever they are, let's get you plugged in to that spot. We're so thankful. So thankful. You can fill this card out here in a moment. We're going to pray over them. You'll turn them in uh, as you exit this morning by the black tables in the hallway. But the last thing I want to say this morning, and I may have mentioned lightly earlier, is we're going to have a water baptism here in two weeks. And when we think of sharing the love of Jesus, we're called to go into all the world. We're called to make disciples. We're called to baptize people, to follow Jesus. And I want to ask you, if you are a part of Radiant Life Church and you've never taken that step to be baptized, to be water baptized, on the 29th, we're going to be right over here. We're going to be jumping in, not, maybe not literally, we'll, we'll walk slowly into a nice heated hot tub. And we're going to celebrate during worship. We're going to have fun. It's going to be exciting. And if you've never followed the Lord, what Jesus did, if you've never stepped in and said, Lord, I'm going to show the world what we just read today, that I was dead in my sin, in my trespass. I was a failure, but God made me alive. And now I'm going to show the world through an act of obedience following Jesus. I'm going to go under the water and tell the world, the dead man is gone. The new man is here. And I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly place. I'm in his kingdom. Then I want to invite you, take that step. It's not a step you have to take for salvation, but it is a step we have to take for obedience. One of those things that we're called to do. And if you've never done it, I want to invite you to jump onto radiant.family. Sign up. Let us know. We already have at least three that have signed up. And we're like, come on. That was before we even announced it. And so that's pretty cool. But we're going to have a party on the 29th celebrating people. Whether it's last week, last month, last year, or three decades ago who say, I'm ready and I'm going to show the world. I'm going to be baptized and follow Jesus. There's nothing better than that. So this morning as we close, I, wanna, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Thank you for hearing the heart of God, whatever that would look like. If you need to sign up for an area, please do that. As I said, we'll turn those in in the, in the little hallways as you exit this morning. But thank you for worshiping. Worship was powerful. And when we come ready to go, there's nothing like it. Standing in the back, seeing so many people with their hands lifted to God. Whatever the posture is, our hearts lifted to God. There's nothing like it. So thank you for coming, for being a part. This morning, Lord, we pray your blessing on Radiant Life Church. Lord, we're thankful that you've given us a clear call 
changing lives, developing leaders, and sharing the love of Jesus everywhere. And we get to do that as a church family. And not because we are anything, but your word shows us we are nothing. We're hopeless. We're helpless. But Lord, you have raised us up. You have made us alive in Christ. You have seated us in heavenly places. And today we walk on your authority. We walk in your way. So Lord, even the works we get to do, get to share with the world how much we love you and care for you. And they just they see you in us because of what we do, how we live, how we act. And part of that is service, Lord, as we come together as a church family. So would you bring us together? Would you mold us? Would you unite us? Lord, so we can see one more person come to know you. Lord, that's what it's all about. In fact, if there's one today, Jesus, I pray they would just reach out to you that it would invite you, simple words, forgive me of my sins, make you the Lord of my life, or repent of the past. Whatever those words in their heart would be, Lord, thank you that you received them. Lord, that you welcome them. You make them alive and seat them in heavenly places even this morning. We thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Move this church forward in you, forward into your kingdom, forward into who you have us to be, God. We love you and thank you. It's all in your precious, precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, we love you, church. Thank you for being here. Reminder, Friday night worship, 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Next Sunday, potluck. We're going to have chicken fingers uh, for everybody. Bring side dishes, desserts. We're going to have drinks. We're just going to have a great time of, of a vision party, having a good time, vision meeting. And I uh, hope to see you all. But this week, church, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good one.